This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So fans out there, welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. And we are back with episode three entitled 451. It's not confusing at all. Uh, I'm Jeremy Geckner, uh, the editor in chief of the Front Row Network, co-host here of Peanut Butter and Biscuits. And back from his uh, forced detention at Disney World, uh, Mr. Craig McFarlane. What's up, man? You missed us that much. I really did, but it was nice to be able to hear Courtney, and here I thought that I was just going to get replaced, so to everyone out there that wanted me to be replaced, I'm sorry, I am back, but it was kind of nice to be able to listen to the episode and get some of your perspectives on it as well. It's uh, really fun to be back, so I had a great trip, and I can't can't wait to dive back into some Ted Lasso. Yeah, definitely repping the lasso over at Disney World uh, down there in Florida. Um, got to ride the Tron light cycles. Uh, did pretty good there. The new ones, they were, were they pretty fast? Yes. I'll tell you what, it's a short ride, but holy moly, it is fun. And uh, my son really loved it as well. So, yeah, it's it, it was all fun stuff down there, man. I'm uh, excited to be able to go back at some point in the near future, I'm sure. Uh, to be able to even check it out again. So it's it's a lot of fun. You know, listen to me talk all things Disney <laughs> on Beyond the Mouse. I will plug my own other show, and uh, we can talk more Disney over there. But we've got a couple of things in housekeeping to talk about before we get into the episode proper. Indeed and that do. is that we have a couple of reviews. Mind you, in case you were out there thinking these guys will only read the positive reviews, I do want to mention we got oh, a we four got star bad review. ones. Yes, we didn't get a. I mean, we didn't get a bad one, uh, but it says I really enjoy. This is from uh, J Mo Ev, and says I enjoy your podcast, the discussion of the scenes, the Tedisms. However, in a rush to get the content out, you're missing some details, and Uh-oh. it feels sloppy. Oh, For example. Man. Roy Kent was scouted by Sunderland as a kid, not Chelsea. Uh, If you're putting yourself out as experts, the details are important. (laughs) On blast, man. I I take the criticism. I welcome it into into my bosom here, and uh, I will hold it dear. But still a four-star review. So I I (laughs) guess they still like us a little bit, which is good. Hey, man, the Sunderland call is a good – it's a good on-blast thing there. That was a a big part that he had when he was talking about Blanky. So there in the Two Aces episode. So, yes, I I got you there. Yes. And so then the next review we had, charming and fun, just like Ted Lasso. PB&B is a great podcast to – for your post lasso viewing, Jeremy and Craig bring the same level of charm and wit as the show uh, into their enjoyable podcast. I love that it's published right after the show's air. <laughs> so <laughs> we're able to relive the moments and catch highlights of things we might have missed. Keep up the great work. 
How so, do they do that? <laughs> some people like that we post right away. Other people would prefer we take a beat. Uh, it's it's very hard to know. But the last one we got was um, from Coach Katie and said, I'm so glad to have discovered this podcast. It brings so much Ted Lasso and in love into my life. Thank you. And uh, we are so glad that you also were able to check out the show as well. So thanks for that. That's why we do it. Hey, even when you're blasting us, guys, we love you to the moon and back. Uh, you know, call out all of our stuff. Because here's the thing. Like, when you say stuff like that, it enriches my experience again, too. All right? There's stuff that we miss. We're only human. Um, you know, we do things and everything. But we do long to just bring more lasso love into the world. So that's all we're aiming for here. So, again... Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to write, even if it's something like that. It really does mean a lot to us. It means a lot that anybody's listening out there. And we've gotten so many messages and so many emails and people on social and everything else. It's so great that the season's back and we're getting a lot of new listeners, too. So we really do mean it. Reach out to us. Chat with us. Uh, We love talking Ted Lasso. And we would love to talk to you about Ted Lasso as well. So any other housekeeping that we have, I will say. This will be a tease for the end of the episode. Want to do it? Well, no, we got to say, meet us at the end of the episode for Uh, a special announcement. uh, That's a tease, kiddos. Um, I did just notice though we're up to like 178 in the TV and film podcast. Look at us, man, climbing up that hill. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's it's kind of wild because I'll tell you what. We really have enjoyed doing this whole podcast thing for a long time, but the Lasso fans uh, are just absolutely incredible and keep like propping us up when we need it and just giving us all the love and it is all returned back. uh, Trust me, because this is it's really fun to be able to have the opportunity to chat my favorite TV show and have people actually out there listening to the thoughts, even if they are a little bit rushed and a little bit sloppy at times. Uh, (laughs) I'm still very happy that we're able uh, to do this. Yeah, I think we found our new tagline. Rushed and sloppy, your Ted Lasso podcast. (laughs) But speaking of which, let's dive into it here, man. An episode that you uh, were telling me offline that you think this kind of feels the most like uh, season one Ted Lasso to you. Are you still getting those vibes from episode three? here absolutely this is this is vintage ted lasso and i loved every second of it and so are we going to play our spoiler alert sound oh we're definitely we really get into it oh, or? we're definitely going to be doing the spoiler because we're heading into the episode guys so be aware spoiler alerts Spoiler alert, in effect, if you hear things you don't want to now, it is all your fault, okay? Um, This episode does, though, open up. uh, It continues a very good run on this show of uh, doing really good songs to lead off the episodes here. Uh, Last week, we had a nice little fun mashup between Lizzo and uh, Bill Withers' Lovely Day, and now we're just going straight early 2000s here. We got Out of My Head by Fastball here, Um, an underrated band from the early 2000s, as I date myself insanely. Um, but we open up here though on uh, our good friend Colin. He is waking up in bed uh, as he's going through his morning here. Um, it is uh, pretty clear that it was a pretty sexy night for Colin. So good job, you are a strong and capable man. Um, but uh, <laughs> what we aren't expecting, maybe though, is that Colin has in fact hooked up with a very hot Asian man named Michael. Um, so it becomes very clear here that this also though isn't a one night stand. That these two have a secret relationship. That they are there. Um, 
and they have a very nice little moment where it looks like Michael is heading out on a trip and Colin tells him to be safe and such. Um, and then I, I love this, though, that before we get our uh, music, AJ and Mel fake us out um, by starting the Ted Lasso theme music. But first, having to, of course, reiterate that Colin is a terrible driver and that he should be nowhere allowed nowhere near luxury sports cars uh, at all. Uh, Craig, what did you think of this? Because we had some friends who kind of called this in our season three predictions episode. I'll tell you what, Andrea, good job. Look because at you. Uh, you, you kind of called it right on the nose here over at Coach Beard's Book Club. But yeah, I, I'll tell you what I'm excited about in this episode as a whole is that we're going to get so much more Billy Harris, I feel like, this yeah. season. He's, he's named that, in the credits now. I love that. And it just makes me happy because, again, what I love that this show does is it kind of elevates some of these tertiary characters that we really enjoy seeing on the pitch. I feel like we got a good a good amount of Isaac and Cola in the first season. And then, of course, Sam exploded into one of the main characters nominated for an Emmy uh, for his performance <laughs> in season two. And then now we're getting a little bit of Billy Harris and Colin. And I think that this is going to be a very uh, interesting storyline to continue to follow here. Clearly, it's going to come up again at the end of the episode uh, quite literally right in our face as far as how he presents his uh, friend Michael to uh, all of the team. And then, you know, of course he's seen by Trent Krim at the end of the episode yeah. with him. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I loved how this started. First of all, great with the fastball reference oh, as well. It's a great, really song. they're the first ones that said, this is the way, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Original Mandalorians. Again, kids, uh, go and listen to, to Fastball. Some really good tunes uh, back in the early 2000s. <laughs> but I did love the callback to him not being able to drive his car. Um, and... Also that Michael knows that. Like, he literally, like, makes a point to say, like, drive safe. Like, you know, it's just like, Colin just shouldn't drive. He just should not drive. I'm a strong and capable man, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I do love that they're keeping his mantra going there, though, because it's going to it's going to come in handy here later in the episode. Um, and shall we move on and ask and talk about why? Because the dog track, it is packed to the gills to welcome their newest star, Zava. Um, I love this because uh, Red, uh, Roy, Ted and Beard are, are uh, trying to figure out what to do with him um, at the board there. There's a, a bunch of great grammar jokes that uh, we will get into um, in Tedisms, maybe. Um, but uh, they do uh, signify, though, that now that Zava is coming here, one player does have to be taken out of the starting lineup. And Be Beard is very fast to say, well, it's obviously got to be Colin. So that kind of sucks for us, knowing this is like, oh, we have this sweet little moment, and now you're demoted to the bench. Um, but, of course, this also leads to a discussion about which of the strikers they currently have are going to be moved off the striker line um, to keep with the 4-4-2 uh, scenario that Roy spelled out in the last game. Um, and they ultimately decide that Danny would take that news a lot better <laughs> So they're going to um, do that one there. Um, and then, of course, Higgins walks in and he tells them, everyone, that it's time to go to the field. And he's feeling pretty nervous. And Ted is as well. Um, and they talk about coaching Zava and uh, transition it somehow to a musical theater Julie Andrews Love Fest, which it just for all of us musical theater geeks was quite fantastic here. Um, and they all confess, and Roy confesses that he's had a lifelong crush on her. Maybe a little bit of a borderline inappropriate one. And, of course, then discuss their favorite favorite role so before we even get into what their favorite roles are come on craig favorite julie andrews role 
I mean, it's got to be, I, I'm with my man, uh, Jeremy Swift. It's got to be Mary Poppins, right? Yeah, you're a Mary Poppins guy. I can tell that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's so great because for those of you that don't know, Jeremy Swift is in Mary Poppins Returns. Uh-huh. So I love that they allowed him to have Mary Poppins. Yeah, it was, that was just very fun. cute. That was pretty fun. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna throw a bone to our classic host, Brandon, and go with an underrated one, which is Victor Victoria. Very good performance from Julie Andrews in that film. Um, but of course, I... I did keep notes here, folks. Uh, of course, Roy's is Maria from The Sound of Music. Coach Beard, Eliza Doolittle, which Ted rightly calls out is an audio-only performance because they never filmed her doing that role. Um, we And you know what? Reach out to Brandon if you want to know the story why. Higgins, of course, Mary Poppins, and then Trent Krim with the Clarice Rinaldi. Oh, man. Bringing the Princess Diaries in, and I'm not going to say the line yet. You got to wait till the end of the episode, guys, because that's one of my favorite tennisms of the week. Um, but I, I agree with you, Craig. And I think you're going to do this. This felt like the banter of these guys in season one, didn't it? Like you really kind of feel like we got us back here, right? Absolutely. And I mean, again, I think it's because they're introducing this new character. And so it almost feels like that season one vibe when we're starting to learn who all these players are and we're starting. And then like the diamond dogs coming together. Like we really haven't seen a lot of that in, uh, what we've seen so far in the first couple episodes of season three. And so the, the banter back and forth is just absolutely perfect. The app and also the actual talking, um, you know, everything about it is uh, great. And to me really called back some of those vintage Ted Lasso vibes. And you were commenting to me that nearly every line of this oh, episode is a Tedism. And so I think that that is also a callback. If you remember like, when you go and like look at all the Ted Lasso memes and gifts that are out there, like 95% of those came from the pilot or the first two episodes. Yeah. And so that was smart by their marketing department because of course it got those gifts going or gifs uh, <laughs> going uh, as soon as you possibly could. But it also means that like uh, some of those moments that we remember really came from those first couple of episodes. And that's what allowed us to become so endeared to this uh, to this show. And I love that that vibe is back here in season um, three, episode three. Also, I was going to make note that it is episode three. Episode three tends to be turning point, sort yeah. of a, 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 a turning point and a crowd pleaser kind of episode. If you look back, a lot of people say Trent Krim, the independent from um, season one, episode three is one of their like favorite episodes. I know it's one of your favorite episodes, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And then of course we get all of the uh, protest and we get the Dubai air storyline. We really get to see Sam have a turning point when it comes to uh, episode three of season two. So I just, you know, Man, I just love this show. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Uh, but I do love, too, though, there's a line here. I didn't put it in our Tedisms uh, pile here, but um, it's one that Trent notices from Ted when they're talking about how to deal with Zava. And I love how you said that, like, bringing this character in is kind of resetting the field and the dynamics of all these mm-hmm. relationships a little bit. And it's interesting because Ted still keeps his true North Compass when he says, like, it can't just be, you know, we have to make him a part of the team. 
And that's like a, a very underrated line there, but it's very important because even when you have a superstar, a legend like Zava coming into your team, Ted's still focused on, okay, but how do we make him part of the unit here? How do we make him part of the whole, not just get out of his way? Which, of course, is what they're going to ultimately do anyway, but we will, of course, get there. Um, we cut from there, though, out into the locker room, and the team is awing over Zava, who's got a double locker with, like, all four of his letters on one of, like, the cubby doors. Uh, it's it's an insane-looking uh, little corner of the locker room here. Um, and they all kind of recount how Zava impacted their lives. Danny has a very inappropriate relationship with Zava Boots. Uh, and, of course, um, Sam said that he watched his greatest goals while he was painting at his restaurant, letting us all know yet again that the Sam's restaurant is still there and it's going to be opening soon. Um but then we kind of get into the kind of uncomfortable part of this scene, which is when Richard um, is uh, talking about like some typical but problematic like gay talk that happens in a lot of, of locker rooms and stuff. When they're talking about Zava's charisma, that it kind of goes in and uh, supersedes gender and, and identity and stuff like that. Um, and of course, uh, this kind of leads Colin to say and joke about it. It's just like, oh, well, you guys talked me into sleeping with Zava uh, and stuff like that, which I, w- I don't know, like, how did you? kind of take the end of that scene there because I don't think there's anything that rises to like mean spirited about it but it is just kind of this thing with like how this kind of stuff can casually just kind of seep into Mm -hmm. especially places like locker rooms right well and I mean like it still happens surely today but I mean oh my gosh like you know we were middle schoolers like in the late 90s like how often did you say that everything was gay right I mean like that Mm -hmm. was like our that was the thing that we would say to like somehow find that to be insulting and clearly like looking back at that retrospectively 20 years later it's like yeah man uh maybe some things are gay and that's cool like (laughs) you know like (laughs) so um, i like that perspective more than just like ah we were all dicks (laughs) well that too (laughs) We, we really were but uh but you know like i I think that sometimes like guys, especially I haven't been in a locker room with a team in a long time, so I don't want to necessarily generalize, but the stories that you hear, um, we of course famously uh, learned about locker room talk uh, back in 2016. Uh, Right. So, you know, like the, there are things that I think when you get a bunch of like dudes together that they feel like they have this kind of like, have to one up each other and have to show off for each other. And that's kind of what this scene was for me. And I do think that Colin is also someone that clearly feels, uh, unfortunately that he has to hide this. And so he's trying to go over the top with that. And that's what happens later on in the episode as well. I mean, it's a through line through this entire episode. Yeah. It's an interesting thing here too, because like, again, like even when, even when it turns into a joke, like Sam is the one that like turns it into is just like, yeah, you know what? He is sexy. Like he is a sexy guy. Like he, you know, he has that like natural charisma. I'm pretty sure they call out Norm MacDonald as one of these people as well, uh, which, okay. Um, but I, I think you're right though. Like, I think the, the point of having this here is saying like, even in a locker room that has become as open and as psychologically healthy and tolerant and everything as Ted Lasso's locker room, there's still these little vestiges of things that you can always work on and you could always be cognizant of and I think that that's always a good thing um and so again you don't get the sense in the scene that Colin is like downtrodden or something but you're right he definitely feels like he has to play this part and I'm hoping that the through line of this for the season is that 
it, it once again just kind of showing like no you don't you can be who you are and it, that is more than okay so um all right well we cut then to the field uh zava has not shown up for about two hours now even though the crowd is there to see him uh rebecca and everyone else are getting restless so um rebecca makes a comment to keely kind of off the cuff about how she's also late for something i know i think you had an interesting take on what that was um or somebody did when we were watching it but we might get into that um but she asked higgins uh, if zava did in fact sign the contract and he says um yes and his signature is binding but unfortunately he didn't sign his name he signed you're welcome which is just excellent i love everything about this character <laughs> from this episode um and then ted comments of course on how superstars play by their own rules recounts a very funny story about public enemy um and rebecca tells higgins that he has to say something to the crowd and he mentions as this hypothetical dj name in college was damage control which is once again just quite fantastic um but we cut back all the way to rebecca's office and uh who's there waiting for them zava he's been in the office this whole time and apparently ate rebecca's biscuits which is just not cool which is just not cool man um either way but uh he introduces himself to everyone in a very meaningful and like charismatic fashion um but rebecca seems to be the only one that's kind of immune to the charm so what did you think of this whole scenario here waiting for zava being angry at him and then he's just like there waiting for them (laughs) What I love about this episode is that it it completely builds up the persona that is Zava, right? Yes. Like we got a little bit of that in uh, episode two, but this really shows you how enamored the entire world is with this guy, yeah. right? So like everybody knows uh, who he is and loves his style of play and even allows him to kind of get away with all these antics and just like this so, like conceited nature that he has because people just know that he's like God's gift to, I mean, later on in the episode, we're going to play Jesus Christ superstar, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like God's gift to football. That and tattoo so it, cracks me up every time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just think it's, uh, I, I think they did a really good job of like painting and building up that persona for us because, you know, it's interesting because like, there are a lot of single named players in uh, soccer history and um, for, you know, all of us just watched the world cup and Messi is the name that kept coming to mind, mm-hmm. but this is like, it's seemingly this character is sort of a, an amalgamation of a lot of different characters and a lot of different players. I know that uh, there is someone that uh, everyone is thinking this is modeled after, <laughs> Yes, yes, of course. Uh, Zlatan uh, comes to mind most of the most of the time because very, very good player, very full of himself, um, and bounced around to a lot of teams. Did Zlatan, um, and so that's one. I I see little hints of Cristiano Ronaldo a little bit, um, especially just in kind of like his build as a player. He's a little bit bigger than what Zlatan is, I think. Um, now a little yeah. bit closer to home. You know who I see in this, right? Oh yeah. It's uh, there's yeah, a little bit of Aaron Rodgers. You can, you can there's a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in here too, for sure, right? Like a little bit the, the fullness of themselves, like all that. Yeah, it's kind of uh, all they need to do is build an isolation chamber in the Richmond <laughs> locker room, and then uh, we'll be there. Hey, you know what? As Packer fans, we're allowed to diss a little bit on Aaron Rodgers right now. Okay, he's not right? staying with us. He's gonna he's gonna be flying to New York, I guess. Um, so. <laughs> he's gonna be doing something in New York, yeah, flying somewhere. Um, but I do love this scene too because again like 
it, it shows you, I think they've done a really good job, not only of building up the legend of Zava in this episode, but also kind of showing that he's not quite all just like a prima donna, like diva, you know, like it, it's not like when he introduces himself to people, you can tell why people are charmed over by this guy. It's not even just the talent. He's got kind of this effervescent, like, um, you know, personality, this kind of essence about him that like you want to, you feel like you're in, in the presence of something amazing, you know? So like you just kind of hold it all in like right there. And so, you know, this also like kind of palpably goes out into the locker room when he enters there. And I, I won't mention all the ways that like the guys like react to them. I'll, I'll let you call some of these out. But like his whole time in the locker room is hilarious. Um, when he goes in there, he, he calls out uh, the most important man uh, in the room, which is the kit man. So, again, really, really amazing that we'll get some love here. Um, and the, the biggest bit of this whole thing, though, is that every time he steps in front of Ted to address everyone. And even when Ted moves to one side of the room, like to, to like be like visible from him, he will then inevitably just very casually step right back in front of him. And I was like, by the third time you're like, okay, that's, that's gotta be on purpose um, and everything like that. But tell me what were your highlights from this scene? Because there's too many for me. Like this is absolutely hilarious stuff here. Well, I was just going back through my notes and I t completely forgot that in the public enemy uh, story, that Ted references the cubby bear. So yeah. we get a little bit of Chicago love in there. Thank you, Jason, for that. But no, going back into this scene, I will say that um, I love that everyone is enamored with him except for Jamie, right? Yeah. But even Roy, and I love seeing oh, Roy's reactions to Zava because Roy is someone that you think would not buy into this hype i mean like that's you know kind of again subverting our expectations which is what this show loves to do you would think that roy would be kind of like the one that is questionable about this like do we really need this guy he's going to ruin the team but instead they make jamie that Jamie's player the and one. i just yeah and i just absolutely love that and i love that um, you know, that we even get the um, scene in a little bit here where Jamie's talking to the coaches about him. And that's a lot of uh, really fun dialogue. So I won't jump ahead too far there. But I do enjoy too that Zava's uh, words to the team is that he's very excited to be there as well. I mean, like, so yes, he's like this self-involved, conceited character that is, again, God's gift to football. But at the same time, like, he's still... Uh, has a bit of that excitement for the game and yeah. that also comes across as well um yeah I, I just really i'm gonna love this character i love that he called out will as the most important person in that room because again that is not what you expect this yeah. he, you assume he's gonna say the most important important person in the locker room is himself right i mean that's yeah. basically what he's been saying this entire time and then he calls out the kitman as the most important person and you know of course like we are now going to be facing off against a former kitman very soon in fact i would predict as early as next episode because um the still image that was sent out like a long time ago was from season three episode four and that's ah. the image of um ted nathan and rupert in the middle so you know i just I just think Craig uh, predicts a West Ham matchup in episode four. I like it. I like it. Yeah, kind of I mean, early, you know, kind we'll of see. early, man. Like it's, it's pretty cool though. I like getting that out of the way early. We get a lot of happen. football. I'll tell you what, and I'm jumping around so much, buddy. I'm sorry, but oh, you're like, fine. 
uh, they signed that Premier League contract basically for this episode, it seems like. Right. So. <laughs> Get to see all the teams and stuff like that. Well, yeah. and I, I will say, like, you're right. Like, the thing about him is, like, he continues to, you're right, subvert the expectations of, like, the diva player because he does call out Will. But then he's also... It seems like you're right. Like he's definitely way too high on himself, but it doesn't seem like toxic. Is that is that like a good way to like kind of describe that? I mean, like he, it seems like his self involvement is like something that people want to like take part in rather than like yeah. be like turned off by. It, it it's very strange. Like the balance that they're 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 cutting with this character. I'm I'm just fascinated by it. Well, a lot of times people that are self involved tend to also have some self-confidence issues that they're trying to like work through and mm. this is kind of their way of exaggerating those but but this guy i mean it, like from the little bit that we've seen of him he seems like i mean you know we see him practicing some mindfulness as well yeah. uh in this in this episode uh, he just seems like this is him he's not putting on some kind of weird act yeah um he's not trying to be like overly like i i don't know it's just it's yeah. interesting to the dynamic of the character that they're bringing to us yeah for sure. it's strange because like this person i'm not seeing the person that was on 14 clubs in 15 years you know like i'm seeing right. somebody that's weird you know like he's definitely like self-involved i think as roy put it in episode two he's just like yeah he's nuts but he'll help us win games like you know like i'm seeing somebody that's very eccentric but i don't see somebody that's toxic yet and i'm wondering if we're gonna get that because i'm not seeing it at all in this episode so far but who knows? They'll get there. And then, of course, I do love at the end how he rearranges the entire board so that he's the only one playing offense and now everyone else is playing defense. And that's I what mean, he leaves them with the, I'm very excited to I'm be very here. I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Again, none of this makes sense. Um, all right. Well, talk to me a little bit about this scene with Rebecca and uh, Tish, uh, her mom's psychic. Ooh. What are you getting from this? Because there's a lot of stuff going on here. What what stood out to you here? There's a lot going on here. Um clearly bringing up some wounds for Rebecca in a way that she did not want to be brought up or to explore. Right. Um, and I don't know if we're going to, I mean, we're going to get a call back to the matchbook at the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. And so is this presuming that she may go back to the psychic and uh, start to buy into it? Because I mean... You remember she mentioned that her mother was a skeptic as well. And yeah. now she comes and sees her at least once a month or whatever for the, the last six years. Is that what it was? And yeah. so um, so it was a very random scene for me, but I feel like it is a scene that will give us some additional payoffs later on it's a, it's a strange scene because it you know we've never really delved into like the mysticness stuff in, on ted lasso you know like it, it's weird because usually when you see a psychic in this kind of a setting or something like that you assume some kind of charlatanness and stuff but tish does seem to be more like a self-help guru who also dabbles in like she has this gift of prognostication or something like that and you know, like I, I do love that she like calls out the Japanese art of uh, Kintsugi, um, which uh, if you've ever if you've watched Loki on uh, Disney Plus, uh, the uh, He Who Remains Citadel is literally based lit all on this entire concept, um, which is and if you missed it from the episode, it's literally the binding of like broken pieces of something with gold. Um, and as she points out, uh, Tish, you know, the point is to embrace the flaws and the imperfections and you create something that's much stronger and much more beautiful, um, which is mm -hmm. a wonderful concept. 
concept. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of these pieces uh, in craft shops and stuff, and they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, like from what happens at the end of this episode, you have to take from at least just watching this that Tish does have some kind of like mystical power or something like that, or she knows that Sam's books are going to look green. Um, so I don't know. One of those two things, most likely the latter, but it is interesting. But you're right. She does call out that Rebecca is kind of just playing along with this until she tells her that she's going to have a family and that she's going to have a baby. And this is when Rebecca finally blows up and says like, Oh, you're just cruel because this is of course a big bone of contention that she and Rupert had. Um, and especially mm -hmm. now that Rupert does have a child with, you know, Rebecca too, um, with Bex here. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting scene there and everything like that. Um, real quick before you go on. Yeah. Uh, listeners go back and watch this scene and just even you can even just turn off the volume if you want watch hannah's facial expressions during this entire scene mm. because they are so phenomenal i mean like the way that like that she's reacting to um all of this going on in front of her is just a plus uh, clearly reason why she's an emmy winner like uh, and it's fantastic acting so just go back and i wanted to make sure we noted that that like she just really brings it in that scene and it's funny i mean like her facial expressions are just like what we would have going to a psychic i think um yeah. but <laughs> it, they're they're so good yeah hannah come on our show talk about your acting um anyway <laughs> um very quick okay scene. so i got in my beyond the mouse plug earlier you got in our call for hannah uh, so go. we're good check, we're taking off all the boxes right. yeah we had a really quick scene here with um shandy and and uh, keely talking to the team about interview requests and everything and then uh roy walks in and basically this scene exists for shandy to be the combative friend uh to the ex-boyfriend um we learned some stuff about her but i i gotta ask this do you trust shandy like, I, no. are you trusting Shandy at all? Because I'm no. not. No, no, no. Come on. She eats She's... hair, dude. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she eats her own hair. <laughs> Which, hey, you know, if you want to go viral, I guess go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> but I did love that she gave Roy that. the I gave I, I love that she gave Roy the, the what for. And, you know, again, this reminded me back to season one of that scene where they're all trying to come up with endorsement deals, right? Yeah. And Keely's in there and talking to them about like what they would want. And that of course is, that is what we get uh, mucho, mucho joy from because yep. that's the conversation that she has with Danny. And so, you know, I just think that um, I, I, again, callbacks to season one a lot for me in this episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we cut back to the office where Ted and Beard are at the desk. This is my favorite thing. I don't think it's a it's a Tedism, but literally Ted asked Beard what the wordle is for the day, and Beard says ethic. And like it's so great because Ted like literally puts it in excited, like "Ooh, I've got it," and then just looks at me, just like, "Man, you're a jerk." <laughs> I, I I actually had it in my Tedisms list, but that, oh, that, was, that was phenomenal. I love that. It, I just thought like I didn't know if it would be a Tedism because it's like a great bit of like physical acting, like with Jason because he's like. <laughs> Like, so pepped up and then he just like sinks when he learns what beard's doing and then there. and then uh brendan when he just goes all that kind of stuff <laughs> oh man that, that, is, that is great that is i mean it was perfectly uh perfectly filmed I yeah mean, you know we like this show guys but this um, is the scene that you referenced though when jamie enters and he wants to talk to them and he basically says like he's been around players like zava before they're self-centered they're only concerned with themselves and they're not very good for the team and of course beard asks him if it, it isn't just a bit ironic of that the jamie is the one who's uh you know saying something about this um but i love though what jamie says about this though where he basically says like 
I think our team is good enough without him. Like, I think that we have a good thing going and that we will win with just who we have. And of course, though, Ted says what any reasonable coach would say there when they get a star player. It's just like, let's see how it goes. You know, it's like play a few games at least and see what happens here. And I do love this, though, that even though they didn't listen to him, Jamie thanks them for hearing him out. Ted says, absolutely keep doing it we want to hear it um but then of course jamie drops the hammer on beard at the end by telling him like no i wasn't being ironic i was being hypocritical <laughs> and, <I> was like, <laughs> and beard is shook by this he does not know what to do but of course ted literally points out is just like well jamie was right now that is ironic <laughs> so wonderful stuff here what do you think of this scene I loved it. I loved the the arc that we're getting here with Jamie Tart. Yes, because like, we're gonna three get this season like, arc, man. Yeah, we're gonna get this. Um, we're gonna get this. Like, I almost explained. And again, I know that I'm jumping around here, Jaren. It's uh, fine. It's fine. We're gonna get this like wonderful scene at the restaurant where Roy is gonna come and, and say he's gonna mentor him. Mm. And to me, it is so like awesome to see the juxtaposition between them at the bar in the gala scene um in episode four mm-hmm. and then to also see them now I, I almost it like reminded me because of the way sam's restaurant was like and they're up against the wall on the tile behind them yeah it looked very rocky-esque to me like you know like uh mick's gonna go in there and just like train up rocky you know to <laughs> to take down drago like that's easy like that's where my mind went with all of that scene and so i am so for the jamie tart uh redemption arc to come full circle here and who knows maybe at the end of this year he is the best player again on the team i I don't know that i would be super upset if that were the case especially if he puts in the work for it so i I love love the introspection we're getting out of jamie tart in these first three episodes uh he's one of he's easily one of my favorite characters of this season uh right away because you know sign me up on the phil dunster uh fan club i know you were the founding member of that fan club that's right and so uh, i'm joining now so Woo-hoo! i don't know that probably makes me number like one million at this point uh, you're way ahead of me man it's all right we, we got jackets we'll get you one uh <laughs> so the phil dunster love club um but hey man <laughs> the love club I it's like a that. it's a game day here at uh, the dog track the first game was zava and the board now has a total four five one configuration uh like the episode title see what they did there everyone um but of course uh there's some fun again like and this again this really reminded me of season one like the the fun with the premier league names because wolverhampton is also the wolves which is also wanderers but it's not all of those at any time together um so pick which one you want but all three are I correct also, and none are <laughs> i also really enjoy that sam calls out the marvelous miss Maisel because it is also one of my favorite shows as uh-huh. well this is just uh my continuing effort to be friends with Tahib Jamo. That's and, that's uh, all. And calling out Jean Valjean. I mean, come on. Let, yeah. Let's get some lame is love here. Musicals all <laughs> over. Um, but of course, Colin sees that he is on the bench. Isaac's asked him if, if he's okay and stuff, and he repeats his mantra again. This scene basically like exists for Zava to you know interrupt the hands in and put himself in the middle of the. I circle. love that. Yeah, I love that he just walks into the middle and then he doesn't even like make a motion on it. Like everyone just starts putting their. They hands just put their hands like like his chest and his back and stuff. It was so funny, man. <laughs> but of course, he doesn't say him. He says like Richmond on three, but he did kind of cut off Isaac's like power there as the captain. I didn't like that. He did. Um, he did. But any of and that. Isaac starting to question him a little bit because yeah. remember that's another important part of the scene is that Isaac 
pulls Colin over and like asks him if he's all right with this and everything uh -huh. else. Um, and especially because going over the game plan, Roy is saying that like everything is going to Zava. And so Cola is also now, I mean, it moments in the locker room and even later on, you see that uh, Isaac is like all about Zava, but he, I think he has some trepidation about this as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And I think that might start like permeating in there. But again, there's some stuff we see from Zava at the end of this episode that maybe pose, plays a little, you know, uh, puts a little pin in that as well. But let's talk about it, dude. Let's all get heartbroken here um, because Ted wants to call Henry before the game. He can't find his phone, can't remember Michelle's cell number. So he calls his landline back in Kansas. And Michelle is getting Henry ready to go to his soccer game um, when, uh, you know, her new boyfriend uh, is there. Um, and he says he wants to answer the phone because he loves messing with telemarketers and does just a fantastic Donald Trump impression. Just like great. Hey, I don't know who this actor is, but he's got a second career there if he wants it. Um, but unfortunately, Ted is the one who answered or Ted's on the other end. And we learn that this is actually Dr. Jacob, who was Ted and Michelle's marriage counselor, which. Oh, man. Um, and I'm telling you, man, the way that this scene just unfolds with them talking on the phone this is brutal, brutal acting. And like the music is perfect to all of the actors. And I even got to call out um, and I'm going to look up his name while you're talking. But like whoever plays Dr. Jacob, he plays the scene perfectly because it's not like a selfish amount of, of stuff here. He's just literally saying to himself in this moment, like, oh, God, no. Like, you know, like and I honestly think it's because he knows it's going to crush Ted, not just, you know, look bad on him. But what's your mm -hmm. read on this scene here, Craig? Because this scene just absolutely broke my heart. Absolutely. I mean, it's it is it is a tough scene to watch for sure. And I mean, <laughs> we learn in this that I don't I don't remember, you know, definitely come at me in the Apple uh, podcast reviews if I forget. Uh, but I don't know that we had learned before that Michelle had changed her name back. Um, so we mm. do learn that here as well. Um, and so it, Jake is the one that that mentions that. And I think that this is an interesting kind of coming together of several different themes that we have in this show. So, so much of Ted's aversion to therapy, we come to find out is because the marriage counseling didn't work mm. in season two. And so he really did not want to uh, interact with Dr. Sharon and he really didn't want to do therapy somewhat because of Jake, right? And yeah. so, and then we have this kind of divorce separation through line that clearly we are starting to develop uh, throughout season three. And this is right here at the heart of it uh, is Jake again. And so he's playing a major role in kind of two of these huge themes that this show has been uh, presenting to us. Yeah, so the actor is Mike O'Gorman. Uh, so well done, Mike. Uh, Mike O'Gorman? Yeah, right? <laughs> O'Gorman nice. right there. Um, but dynamite impression there. But yeah, this is, and you know, obviously this is going to be probably Ted's biggest through line for this season, which is the knowledge. And I mean, I think we learned this in episode one too when he sees uh, Henry's Infinity Gauntlet um, at the end of the episode. But it's just like, when I when we learn later in this episode that it li it is the marriage counselor that they were there, I'm just I don't know about you, man, but I was just like, that is such BS. Like, mm -hmm. like I was so pissed about that, and like Ted should be pissed about that. Like he should be calling Michelle right now and saying like, that is not cool. <laughs> like and I yeah. no, you can't help who you fall in love with. Blah 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 blah. That is just ugh. 
that is just a, an extra like extra twist of the knife there um which is just absolutely brutal um but hey you know what let's get into something happier because you know what it turns out craig the Zava guy can play. <laughs> I love this montage. I love everything about it. This is a big, it. I love... big, big montage here. We're going to hit some stuff uh, very fast, very rapid here. But, of course, Zava's first kick as a Richmond Greyhound is a goal from the center line because he sees the goalie creeping up in the pre-show, and he literally calls uh, Jamie over to take the kick instead of him. And he says, get open and I'll find you. And literally, the opening kick, he just launches the thing <laughs> into the goal. And as you can uh, tell, guys, Guys, good things are ahead for uh, for Richmond here as they start moving up the standing. Zava is as good as advertised. Uh, what did you think? What were some of your standout moments of this montage here, Craig? What did you enjoy the most? Oh gosh, I I really enjoy. It. Well, first of all, the Jesus Christ superstar stuff just really Ugh. set me off. Like that really just made me Hilarious. die. Um, Jamie not being into him, like seeing the consistent theme that Jamie is just really kind of like we're setting up a conflict between these two characters that I'm really excited to explore. Um, and then I also liked that we, in this middle of like all the Zava and the team doing well, we see that Ted is actually regressing a little bit yep. in uh, his divorce and uh, with Jake. And he's talking to Dr. Sharon a little bit about uh, your time's over or your time's up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that that was really pretty well played and, and very funny. And so I, I liked that, like kind of interweaving that into all of these great Premier League shots. Uh, I also loved, there, there's the one where he does a header and um, yeah. <laughs> Max Olinsky, who plays uh, Zava, basically just like comes into your screen and I mean, then it's a goes glorious off float. to the other <laughs> side of your screen. Like It's like the, the way that that was shot was so great. <laughs> yeah. It was just like this guy magically comes into the, the screen. <laughs> it really and is. It's like a screen. Superman shot. It's fantastic. Um, but we actually do get like a lot of kind of like storytelling, like heavy lifting with this montage as well, because it's not just that like Richmond literally climbs to number three in the table. Like they're literally only behind West Ham and Manchester or Man City city and but we get a lot of cool things here not just in in terms of like the soccer action which is great to see but you know we see a scene of rebecca checking her matchbooks drawer in her kitchen to see if there's a green matchbook in there showing that tish did get into her brain just a little bit um you know we get to see uh nate is still tracking richmond's progress so even though oh he's yeah got i forgot his, about nate being in there too yeah um, he's in there for like I, one minute here but he's literally just looking on his computer and he's seeing that richmond is doing well and i don't know what the look on his face is it doesn't look like anger it kind Kind of looks like a okay well we got to deal with these guys now because zava is zava um and they might be better than i was giving him credit for um you know we see colin messaging michael like that they clearly miss each other and stuff like that but i think the key thing here is that zava takes jamie's first goal of the season away from him in the middle of the game the ball is going in and zava literally just like taps it in right as it gets the line so that it takes him away and and to your point craig this is where roy first notices that jamie is not just kind of being typical jamie tart here but he's actually kind of hurt 
by this now. He's actually kind of being hurt by the fact that he can't quite understand, you know, why it's all Zava and he can't, you know, get up to that level and stuff like that. It's just something there. Um, but we also see the Sky uh, Sports team debating if Ted Lasso's coach of the year, but George is the one who says, like, no, what Nate is doing at Nate Shelley's doing at West Ham, that is real, real coaching and stuff like that. So um, just a ton of really, really funny stuff here. Um, anything else from this montage before we uh, get to Sam's restaurant? I think we should go straight into Sam's restaurant because uh, I I love this. Um, this is a really, I, really good scene here. Um, the, there's a lot the, of stuff that this happens. This scene, first of all, they bring back all of our fan favorites. We get Sassy back. Oh, we get hell Jane yeah, Sassy back. Like, we get, like all of these all of these characters that we, we absolutely adore and love. And we get to see Sam being successful. We get some dynamics between the relationships, all the way back to the relationship of Keely and Jamie. Yes, we even get a little bit of that dynamic Callbacks, as well, man. Um, so I, I really love this scene, man. I, yeah. I again, to me, vintage Ted Lasso uh, through and through in this episode. Yeah, there's um, this, a lot of good honestly, stuff Honestly, easily my favorite episode so far of the season. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. You're right, not just with Sassy coming back and, of course, still wanting to find Ted. Um, I did like the, also that she says she couldn't find him. She's going to climb climb Mount Zava, so that's good. Um, Sassy, do not ever change. Um, but there is like this – also, you're right. Like I love see, seeing that Sam is like – his successful own person now, you know, like he's got this restaurant that looks amazing. The food is apparently very amazing. Um, and you know, like it, it looks like he's really, really going to be okay, but you're right. The key moment is when Roy notices Jamie pouting in the corner and Roy tells him basically that like, you were the best player on this team. Zava is now, now your job is just to try to keep up with him. And Jamie says what you want all your star players to say, right? Which he's like, I don't want to keep up with him. I want to be better than him. And so of course this is where we're going to start off with Roy training him and stuff like that. And I, you're right. I think the heights that Jamie can reach with like taking Roy's training is going to be immense. And I cannot wait to see what it does there. Um, but again, like to my hypothesis about Zava, though, when we see him and Shandy comes up on him in the restaurant, who is he talking to and hanging out with? He's hanging out with Will the Kit Man. He's literally going out of his way to drink and talk with Will the Kit Man at this restaurant when he could be talking to anyone. Again, Craig, is he a good guy underneath? Like, is he actually just like a, just a weird eccentric dude, but actually good underneath? I think we're going to learn a lot about Zava. Um, I mean, clearly we're going to learn a lot about Zava, but I think that there is much like any of the characters that we love in Ted Lasso. I think that there is some peeling of the onion to do with Ooh, this yes. character. And yes. I am excited to uh, be able to peel right along with all of you as we continue <laughs> this trip. That is Zava. Uh, I love that uh, today, actually the AFC Richmond, um, Twitter account posted like the big signs like we got Zava we got and Zava, Zava. <laughs> Zava signs with Richmond and Brett Goldstein tweeted it out and said we've got Zava you know like all of that so I just absolutely love that uh, this character is going to be here with us in this season for sure. Yeah, definitely. Lots of good stuff to come from him. But there is this fun little moment where Rebecca and uh, Keely are, are drinking together by the bar. She noticed yeah, Rebecca notices about this? that Sam is talking with the new chef. They're clearly kind of making eyes at each other and stuff like that. Rebecca then notices that Keely is looking longingly at Roy as he's walking around. Um, and then they both notice Shandy walking up and talking to Jamie. Um, and a great line that's going to show up in 
and Artetisms and stuff like that. But this is interesting, isn't it? It's like both yeah, of them, they, despite their success, can't quite quit the things that they used to have, right? Yeah, Keely dropping some C.S. Lewis on us. I like it. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it, I I I enjoyed this because as much as we talk about this show subverting expectations, and we don't necessarily want like our female characters to just be chasing men all the time. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that it was like nonverbal communication between these two friends mm -hmm. in a way that they both completely understood what the other one was going through. And that yeah. is so much the relationship dynamic between Rebecca and Keely. And I love that that's where their relationship has, has come to. Um, and I thought it was a, a great scene looking forward to where things are going to end up and whether that ends up being that you know our friend tori and her podcast is completely right Ooh, and we all have to uh, eat crow on that or you know whatever the case may be but i i really enjoyed the non-verbal uh, acting that was going on here yeah definitely so we wrap up our episode here ted and sassy meet up a fantastic line about how uh ted gives the lowdown on how dr jacob is there he asks if that ever happened to sassy because she's a psychologist sassy reminds him that he's a that she is a child psychologist uh so yes only twice though <laughs> which again is just perfect uh perfect ellie taylor comedy there um wonderful delivery but the chef brings sam a, a box that he's very happy about and he starts passing out what is in this box Box. and what is it craig the green matchbooks for his the restaurant green matchbook the hell does this mean craig is tish for real does she and have powers the, you know something that we we didn't really hit on and that um we probably should have was we did see uh ted's panic attacks come back in this yes. episode uh during the beginning of the montage scene particularly after he was done talking to jake uh, yeah it was right before phone. zava's like, goal which kind of snapped him out of it right exactly and then we get a little bit of that same like ringing um and i don't know that you would classify this as rebecca going through a panic attack but we're led to believe that we've seen this before with ted we've seen it before with nate now as well and now here with Rebecca, I mean, where are you at on that? Was that uh, like clearly like the tinnitus, like the like the, yeah. the ringing in the ear was something that was deliberate. But is this? I think it. Yeah, I think it definitely displays a crisis of confidence or at least a crisis of what you think, you know. Um, right. Especially when it comes to Rebecca there, because she is so sure of herself all the time. You remember like when she first mentions therapy and stuff or when Ted first mentions like therapy and psychology to her, she's so dismissive of it. She like literally diagnoses herself in 10 seconds. Like, you know, oh, my yeah. worst fear being alone, big whoop, stuff like that. Now she literally has something she can't quite get her feet around. You know, Tish already told her about like, you know, you're going to have a family and stuff like this. And now the green matchbook, uh, such a random detail to get correct, um, which is why I think, yeah, she is a little bit shook of this. Like her, her confidence in the world, I think is shook. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see where it goes from here. Maybe well, that psychic is coming back. Tish better come back. We need to know uh, some lottery numbers. Uh, anyway, our episode Tish ends Tish or Babs? With... <laughs> Who's your favorite right now? Ooh, Tish or Babs? <laughs> um... 
I like Babs still. I like Babs. I do. Still. I love. I love me some Babs. You guys got to talk about Babs a lot last uh, episode, so yeah. Hopefully, I get to talk to talk about her a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, our episode ends here with uh, Trent Krim leaving the restaurant again. Some amazing music. Leonard Cohen's "Everybody Knows" um, playing over the top of it, and as he walks down the street, he sees Colin and Michael kissing in the alley, um, and he walks away, which was I'm going to say contemplating. Um, you know, it's a very strange look that James Lance has working at the end of this scene here. What what was your read on that? I because uh, look, I don't he's know. still it's an investigative right? journalist. Because Is it easy the, to quit the investigative? Yeah, the investigative journalist in him may think that there's a story here and that he should be breaking that story. But this is someone that is now writing a book and the process of writing the book is going to be different. Maybe you, you still could, this is something he observed and something that he could could break out. But I'd like to think that um, kind of in the era that we are at, uh, that kind of outing someone is not necessarily yeah. something that Trent Krem would would want to do. Hopefully and so that's a line I took his yeah. I took his look at the end as more one of you know like affirmation like kind of like and then as you said the song that's playing underneath it is everyone knows like yeah. you know so I I think that that's kind of where I was going with it not that it's going to end up you know some salacious headline at the independent or something like that. Yeah. And he's still in kind of behind the scenes mode, right? Cause he's still taking mm-hmm. notes and stuff for the book. So you're right. I don't think it ends with him outing Colin or anything like that, but I think it's definitely going to be a through line of maybe, maybe Trent's the one who encourages Colin. Like you don't have to be afraid of this because look, I've been around these guys all season and I'm telling you they wouldn't care. You know, maybe that's like where this is heading. Um, at least I hope because you know, that's where it needs to end up, quite frankly. But really, really great episode. Uh, lots of amazing, fun stuff here. We've been talking for nearly an hour. We know what time it is. Craig, do you know what time it is? It's Tedism's time. Tedisms. For each week, we share biscuits of truth. Thank you, Larry Smith, for your dulcet tones. It is Tedisms. Craig, why don't you knock us uh, knock us out and uh, start us off here? <laughs> I don't know what my phrase was there. Um, with uh, your first Tedism of the episode. Right at the very beginning of the episode, it's actually a conversation that happens between uh, Ted and then Trent and Roy. And Ted starts off with, Jamie is a lot like my mom's Precious Moments figurines collection. And Trent goes, I don't know what that means. And Roy goes, he's a fragile little bitch. <laughs> and then Ted says, brevity is nice, but sometimes clarity is the true soul of wit. Thank you, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <I> love... <laughs> and I know that that's like a little bit of a longer one, but that was the good banter that we haven't seen before. <gasps> dude, dude, what? dude, what, what did we do? Does Trent Krim join the diamond dogs? I think is he's he gotta named? be now. Right. He's is gotta, he going to join? Is he going to officially join the Diamond Dogs at some point? He's got to officially join the Diamond Dogs. Oh he's in my the God, office, man. Sorry, my brain just broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brain as well. There, uh, my, my, <laughs> my brain just broke. Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm going go go to go to the. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, a very classic structure of a Tedism here when he tells Roy, "Don't sell yourself short. If anything, sell yourself tall and get it altered later." <laughs> Excellent <laughs> advice to live by. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, which ones do I want to go to next? I don't want to steal the, I have one in bold, but you mentioned it earlier. So well, I, go to I mean, one. like I could go with the, uh, the sound of music one here <laughs> if you, if you want. 
Sure, go ahead. Yeah, when uh, Ted's talking about coaching Zavi, he says, coaching a superstar can't all be, how do you solve a problem like Maria? I mean, if you ask me, though, the Nazis were the real problem of that story, right, Coach? And Beard responds like, yeah, come on, Mother Superior. Let's have a little perspective. <laughs> Just any time you put on blast the plots of old musicals is an excellent choice. And then, I mean, we could say it together if you want, but who Ooh. is uh, who is Roy Kent's favorite uh favorite julie oh, andrews the clarice rinaldi call out for trent crim which prompts roy to say fuck yeah princess diaries <laughs> <laughs> which i absolutely i love. just love that roy kent is a princess diaries fan because of course everyone should be i love the um i love ted being ted uh when everybody's waiting for zava to show up and he goes uh do we know that zava has the right address i'd hate to think that he's sitting somewhere in the middle of virginia waiting on us you know <laughs> That was a good line. <laughs> that was I a love really that good line. one. Um, Zaba coming back. This is like, again, like this is him establishing himself as a character. And he comes up to Ted and he just goes, my leader, I am an empty vessel filled with gold. I am your rock. Mold me. Mold like, me. I love everything about that line. Oh, um, my God. No, uh, everything can... that he says, there, there's a couple of them great. When she says, time is a construct like gender and many of the alphabets. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know which alphabets he thinks are constructs. <laughs> this is the second episode I've been on this season, and this is the second time we're using Henry Lasso as a Tedism. Oh, but yeah, I love man. when he says, "Please tell Zava that many of my moms, my, many of my friends' moms, like his abs. Like his abs. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff there, man. Well, of course, but I have to call out just the "You are the glue" that he says to Higgins because you know yeah. what? Damn right, Higgins is the glue, man. He's clearly the glue of this entire thing. But there's there's one here that uh, really got me, which was the uh, pop quiz one because he says "pop quiz hot shots," which, if all the you '90s action fans know, is of course a reference to Speed, Dennis Hopper's character in Speed, who tells that to Keanu Reeves every chance he gets. He's like, "Pop quiz hot shot." So that's a great reference, but he also says, what do you get when you combine one of Hugh Jackman's finest film roles with a fancy pants New York City getaway? Which is, of course, what he's going for is the name of their opponent that day, Wolverhampton. Excellent. Excellent pun structure of a joke there. I love all the puns. And so this one, it might be like me going like little like off the deep end here, but uh, Roy is walking in with Trent and it's during the montage scene. And I, I had to listen to it about 12 times because I, Brett's delivery of this line was a, a little bit like hard to understand. But he, I think he said, and I don't have the benefit of closed captions uh, with the, the way that we're able to watch these episodes. But I think he says to Trent, you ever feel like your book will be a fucking fairy tale? Mm -hmm. And what I, what's interesting about that for me is that it's a callback, I think, to the idea of the dark woods and the, the fairy woods, tale. Like, man. I don't know. Yep. And maybe again, like, that might be me, like, taking a long walk off of one itty bitty line here. But we know that this show, every thought, every line, every word that is spoken on this show has some sort of meaning to it. So I, that's yeah. what instantly where my mind went when I heard uh, Roy say that to Trent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll give a, a funny one as one of my last ones here, which is when Jamie is talking to um, uh, Roy at the restaurant and Roy's telling him it's not a good look that he's pouting when they're on a win streak. And he says, you frowned your whole career. And Roy says, no, I never smiled. That's different. <laughs> Which yeah, I love factually that. correct, but uh, I've only got one more, and I think it's the most palpable one of the episode. Is it what yours is too? 
I'm guessing it's Keeley's uh, C.S. Lewis quote. Exactly. Hit us with the C.S. Lewis, man. There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. I love that it. Is uh, from Parade, I believe, C.S. Lewis. Mm, man. If you like, Here's the thing, guys. I went to Christian college, so I read a lot of C.S. Lewis. But you do not have to be religious. C.S. Lewis is one of the best writers to ever grace this planet. Um, and he had a lot of amazing things to say, um, not even just about spirituality, but just about the human condition. And, like, um, you know, read The Problem of Pain if you want to know a lot of stuff about, like, how religious people deal with their, uh, you know, stuff. So um, C.S. Lewis, hell yes. Good job, Keeley. Um, man, I got to tell you, this episode – Everything about it I loved. Every single know, thing about I know, it. I know. it. It really felt know, like know, we were peak and, lasso and back. Now, and now I'm so excited. Now I'm so excited because All right, is uh, it time? Are we gonna time do for this? A special, is it time for a special announcement? All the caveats in the world that this is going to be dropping on Wednesday and that this particular thing that we're talking about is supposed to happen on Wednesday. So yes. I will say if we pull the episode down very quickly and edit all this out, uh, <laughs> you will – You'll know why, uh, the people that listen to us right away. We've got Zaba. We got we've Zaba. Got, we've got Zaba coming on the show. And I cannot wait for that conversation with Max uh, to talk to him about uh, his turn as Zaba and uh, to joining the cast of Ted Lasso. So one of our first cast interviews in a minute. And I am excited. So that is going to be bonus content on the feed. It will come out sometime this weekend uh, as we get that all edited for you. But Man, I'm excited. To we talk got to Zava, him. man. We got Zava. Oh, man. And I got to tell you, he's been very, very uh, cool to converse with uh, so far. He's a very down-to-earth dude. He's a Bears fan. We'll forgive that uh, obvious character flaw. And, uh, you know, we will still have a really, really good fun time with him. And, again, based on this episode, this guy's going to have an absolutely amazing season of Ted Lasso. And I think he's going to blow up. So, uh, if anything, based on this episode. So, all right, guys. That's it. We are done. We are done with 451, uh, episode three of season three of Ted Lasso. As always, if you want to find us, you can search for Peanut Butter and Biscuits on all the social media sites. Join our Facebook group. We're, of course, a part of the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. You want to know more about that? NPRIllinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network. And, of course, find us on Twitter at PBBFRN. Anything else, Craig? No, just thank you for the time away. Thank you for the time off. Thank you to Courtney Inlow for just crushing it in my place last week. And I can't wait to continue on with this lasso love as we continue through season three. So I would say just join us on the socials. The the Peanut Butter and Biscuits Facebook group has really started to take off with like a lot of people posting uh, lasso stuff or even like reflections on the show. And that is the best thing that's yeah. ever happened in our eight years of podcasting. <laughs> so please uh, join that group. We'd love to, to have you in it. And um, we'll chat with you there for sure. Absolutely. All right, folks, join us again next week for the next episode. Uh, uh, episode four, we will know a title soon and we will let you know when we know. Um, but for Peanut Butter Biscuits, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Craig. And as always, everyone, be a, be goldfish. a goldfish. Goldfish. Be a goldfish. Goldfish. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.